as a student of God's Word, uh, I can oftentimes identify with some of the uh, characters that we read about in the Bible uh, when it comes to their faith. Uh, Scott's been doing a wonderful job on Sunday morning teaching us the book of Genesis, and we're in that section of Genesis that discusses the life of Abraham. And um, Abraham is called the father of the faithful, yet there are times on numerous occasions when uh, he shows a lack of faith. I can identify with that. As you move through God's Word, you uh, read the story of a man by the name of Elijah uh, who had gotten so discouraged and his faith had become so weak that he was about ready to give up because he thought he was the only person left that cared anything about God. I can identify with that. I can identify with that weeping prophet by the name of Jeremiah, who basically, to paraphrase his conversation with God, um, he basically told God, he said, God, what's the use? What's the use of this? Or maybe you can, as I have at times, identified with the Apostle Paul when he is thinking about how he wants to do what is right, but he oftentimes doesn't do what is right. There's a struggle within his body to do the things that God wants him to do, and he just simply comes out with the expression, Oh, wretched man that I am. But I think the man that impresses me the most that we read about in the Bible uh, is a man that not a whole lot is said about him. We don't even know his name. But as Michael has read for us today already, there was a man who came to Jesus who had a son that was sick, and he wanted Jesus to heal that son. And Jesus told him, he says, with faith, or if you believe, all things are possible, which is a hard statement for us to even comprehend. And when Jesus told the man that, the man simply responded, he says, I believe but please help my unbelief. We need to understand and appreciate that faith is the central core of Christianity. Faith is the most important thing when it comes to our salvation. We need to make sure we appreciate and understand how important faith must be in our lives couple passages I want you to think about before we actually get into our lesson, but to introduce our lesson, uh, think about what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now notice what Paul has done here. He's talking to us about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto our salvation. It is predicated upon the fact that everyone, that regardless of who we are, needs to believe because our belief, as he says, for therein is the righteousness of God. How we become righteous is based upon our faith. In fact, he goes on and says, as it is written, the just or those who are justified being made right in God's sight 
It's all because of living by faith. But there's something interesting he puts in the middle of this that we sometimes miss. He puts revealed from faith to faith. There he is showing us the importance of faith. I believe the NIV has from the uh, beginning to the end. Literally in the Greek it's the idea of the first to the last. Everything from the beginning of our salvation to the end of our salvation is predicated upon our faith. Faith is a core central part of Christianity and a core central part of our salvation. We have got to have faith. The writer of Hebrews goes on and says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is or he exists and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Here the writer of Hebrews brings out a very important point about faith and what faith consists of. It's not just simply believing in God, though that is important, but it also is the belief that God will reward us, those who diligently seek him. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 reminds us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then finally the apostle Uh, Peter reminds us, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Faith is a vital component of our salvation. Faith is a vital component of how we live the Christian life. But we're well aware of the fact, because we are human, because we always aren't as strong as we need to be, As Michael even mentioned in his prayer, he brought up the fact that sometimes our faith is not what it's supposed to be, that sometimes we have doubts. And so I think like myself this morning, you can identify with this man who stood before Jesus and after Jesus says, with faith all things are possible. And the man says, I believe, but help my faith. This morning, we're going to combine three different texts because Three of the Gospels record this particular event. And so we're going to bring different components from these three different events to make a complete story, if you will. But I hope you have your Bibles with you today because I'm going to use as the outline of my lesson this first text that we have listed, Mark chapter 9. And I invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to this particular text. Uh, Sometimes I have the scriptures on the screen, but I'm not going to have them on the screen today because I want you uh, to have your Bibles open and be able to uh, follow the story here in the life of Jesus Christ about a man who came to Jesus and basically said, I'm a person of faith, but boy, I sure need help with my faith. And I think this is a man we can all identify and see what we can learn from this particular story. The text itself Uh, beginning there, as it says on the screen in John chapter 9, beginning at verse 14, the text divides itself up naturally into two parts. And the first part we want to think about is how in this story there is a test of faith. And as we look at this test of faith, I want us to notice some things that happen in this particular test of faith. First of all, I want you to notice that there's a fight brewing. Look at verse 14. And it says, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. 
Now, this is more than just a question and answer period. We know as we go through the text that because of the frustration of Jesus that evidently there were some criticism going on here. There may have been some name calling on here. There may have been some uh, uh, denying of their faith, some denying of the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, There was some trouble brewing in this particular uh, group of people. Uh, There was a fight about to break out. What's interesting about this, when Jesus, as the text says, when he came to his disciples, uh, where he was coming from was the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John had been up on the mountaintop. They had seen Jesus transfigured between uh, Elijah and Moses, and it was a great and wonderful event. They heard the voice of God say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And now they have left the mountaintop and they've come down to the valley and there's a fight brewing. There's trouble in the air. And folks, I think that's such a wonderful illustration of Christianity and the life that we live here on this earth. Sometimes we have mountaintop experiences where we can almost see God because of the fact that we're so confident in our faith. And then other times we're down in the valley and there's a fight going on, there's a struggle going on because things aren't exactly the way they need to be. And that's what's happening here. Jesus, Peter, James, and John arrive upon this multitude of people And there we see the scribes and the other apostles arguing with one another. So you got a a fight that's brewing here. But notice what happens next. A feeble boy is introduced. It says in verse 15, And straightway all the people when they beheld him were greatly amazed, running to him, saluted him. And by the way, just a a little side note here. There's always been some discussion why the people were so greatly amazed to see Jesus And a lot of people think it's because he had just been transfigured and his face had a glow about it. And they knew there was something different, something happened. But we don't know that for a fact, but um, I thought I'd throw that out there. But it goes on in verse 16 with Jesus asking them. He asks the scribes, he says, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now make sure we understand the situation of this feeble boy here. Make sure you appreciate the fact of the heartache and, and, and the tragedy of what's going on here. Matthew's account, I mean, uh, Mark's account here refers to him as having a dumb spirit. That means he was not able to speak. The spirit that's being talked about is clearly identified in both Luke's account and in Matthew's account that this was an evil spirit. This was demon possession. Uh, This was a boy that evidently was possessed with a demon, and this demon was causing him, first of all, not to be able to speak. But we can look over in the same chapter and, and see how that this boy also... Uh, could not um, uh, hear because verse 25, when Jesus tells the spirit to leave, he refers to him as a deaf spirit. So here's a boy who cannot speak, a boy who cannot hear. He has some type of of epileptic uh, 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 thing taking over his body. Uh, There is uh, causing him to foam and grind his teeth away, and and the text says pine away. 
Uh, verse 22 of this same chapter and also in the other accounts points out the fact that this spirit would cause this boy to be walking along and if there was a fire that somebody had built somewhere near him that this spirit would cause him to fall in the fire or if there was a body of water that would cause him to fall in the body of water for the purpose of destroying him or trying to kill this boy. So you can understand and appreciate this, um, this father when he, he thinks about his son And how it takes his constant attention because not only is this boy deaf, not only is this boy uh, can't hear or he can't speak, not only does this boy have some type of seizures that control his body, but there's a constant danger that this boy might lose his life because of what this demon is doing. In fact, as you start looking at the other accounts, Matthew talks about when this father came to Jesus, he says, Lord, have mercy on my son. Uh, Luke's account tells us that this was his only son. So understand and appreciate this is, a, this is a terrible situation. This is a great trial and struggle for this father. Imagine what it would be like to have the son that had all these problems, especially living in the day and age that these people lived in. Don't lose sight of the fact that this was an awful, awful situation for this father. See the heartache he was going through. See the tireless work that it took to take care of this son. See how he was exasperated with the situation. Here was a man who was truly in the valley of despair because of this feeble boy. Notice what else, what next happens in the text. We see a very frustrated teacher. We don't know exactly what's going on here and why this happened, but I do believe we kind of see a human side of Jesus. Perhaps when he saw the crowd and he was listening to what was going on between the scribes and his apostles, when he was hearing what the multitude of people around were saying, when he was was listening to what was going on with the father and the son and his situation, when he thought about the fact that he'd come from the a mountaintop experience where he was transfigured and he heard those wonderful words from God, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And he comes down to this valley and it's a valley of despair and frustration because of what he now sees with this bickering and with this boy and this father. And so notice what he says in verse 19. You can see his frustration come out. He answers the father and says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Matthew's account, when speaking these words, he has Jesus saying, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Literally what Jesus is saying, you are a generation that has no faith. You're unbelieving people. And I don't know why in the world I should put up with you any longer. How long should I stay with you? How long should I put up with this? Is what he's saying. And you can see the frustration coming out when Jesus sees the situation and realizes what's going on. But Jesus, though he was human, and has frustrations like all of us has frustrations because he's tempted in all points as we are. He also was a very compassionate man. So the text continues, and we see that he tells him to bring the boy to him. And that brings up this particular idea. 
a faltering father. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, how long, ago, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire, and to the waters to destroy him. If, and then he goes on, he says, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now listen very carefully to the words of this faltering father. He says, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. When I see that word us, it makes me identify with that father so much. Whenever we have a child that is hurting, whenever we have a child who is sick, whenever we have a child who is in despair, whenever we have a child who is disappointed, any time that our child is hurting, we are hurting. And so the father doesn't say, have mercy on the child. He doesn't say, have mercy on me. He says, have mercy on us because we are one and the same. As my son is hurting, I am hurting. I so wish I could take his place. I don't understand why my son has to go through all this. But there's something else he says in this conversation that's very telling. And this is what Jesus is going to pick up on. And this is really the theme of the whole lesson here. Pay close attention to once again what this faulting father says. He says, if thou canst do anything. Now we kind of miss what's happening here, the way it's translated in the King James and even in other translations. But the implication is, Jesus, if you can do anything, I'd appreciate if you would do something. I don't know if you can do anything. But I believe there's a possibility you can do something here about this. In fact, Jesus echoes those words back to him and makes a play on words when he tells him the next thing in the text. He says, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. He's taken what the man has said to him and turned it around and it says, it's not about me doing, it's about you believing. What do you mean? Do you not believe that I can do all things? Why do you put the question mark there? Why do you make it into a question? You need to be affirmative, man. You need to know what I can do. You need to believe what I can do. And that's why he says, if thou canst believe, canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Father, or God, Jesus, don't penalize my son because of my lack of faith. Please help my unbelief. Well, because of what the Father says and because of Jesus who he, who he is, we have a faith-inspiring miracle take place. 
When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of the him. He was as, was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Here we see a test of faith finished up or finalized or concluded with a faith-inspiring miracle. But then we come to the second half of this particular story. That's just as important as the first half because really the one half causes us to understand and appreciate the second half and why the man said what he said. Because in it, the second half, we have a discussion about the power of faith. And it begins with looking at the miracle. Not just so much us looking at the miracle, but Jesus' apostles looking at the miracle. And what they observed about what happened in this particular occasion with this man and this boy. Notice what verse 28 says. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Now make sure you understand and appreciate the puzzlement of the apostles here. Make sure you understand and appreciate the fact that they could not figure out why they couldn't help this father. Jesus had given them the power to cast out demons already by this time. In fact, just three chapters earlier in, in, in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, you have them casting out numerous demons. And so it puzzles them now that here was this boy that was demon-possessed. Here was a father that obviously wanted to have something done for his boy. And the apostles tried to cast out this demon and they couldn't do it. I can kind of imagine the scene. The father comes up to the apostles who are waiting down in the valley there at the bottom of Mount Transfiguration on Jesus. And the father says, you're his apostles, aren't you? Well, cast, the, cast this demon out of my boy. It's killing him. You've got to help me. And he probably pleaded with them the same way he pleaded with Jesus. And the apostle says, yeah, we can help you with that. And I'm not sure what kind of procedure they went through, but perhaps one of the apostles uh, went before the boy and says, by the power of Jesus, I cast you out. Nothing happened. And maybe another apostle went up, well, let me try it. And he says, I cast you out by the power of, of, of Jesus. And nothing happened. And, and all the apostles maybe said, well, if we do it together as a group, maybe it will work. They had the power to cast out demons, but... Nothing was working. And so it made no wonder when they had the opportunity to sit down with Jesus and discuss the events of the day. They said, Jesus, we don't understand what happened. Why couldn't we cast him out? Well, look what happens next. Jesus tells them it was because of a lack of faith. Notice what the text says. But this time we need to go over to Matthew chapter 17 to get the full story. So hold your finger here and turn over to Matthew chapter 17. And I, notice, I want you to notice what Jesus says first before what he says in the book of Mark so we can combine the two. 
Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, when Jesus is answering this question, Matthew gives us a more amplified discussion of what Jesus actually said. Jesus said unto them in verse 20 of Matthew 17, because of your unbelief. The reason why they couldn't cast out this demon was because of their unbelief. And then he goes on and he says, For verily I say unto you, or this is the truth, this is a true saying, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, notice what Jesus says, first of all, the reason why they couldn't do this Literally in the, in the Greek, is because of the littleness of their faith. Their faith was too little. In fact, that's why he says what he says next, playing off that idea of littleness and talking about the smallest seed there was, as far as they knew about at that time, the mustard seed. And he says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be made possible unto you. Now, this particular verse has confused people and, and given people the wrong impression. Uh, they believe what Jesus is saying is if you have just a little bit of faith, a teeny amount of faith, that you will have the ability to make a mountain move from one place to the other place. Well, Jesus is not talking literally here, he is talking figuratively. He's using symbols. Nowhere in the Bible do we read either in the Old Testament or the New Testament where one of God's people in a miraculous way says, let's pick up this big heap of rocks and dirt and move it somewhere else. But back in Jesus' day, as it is in our day, we sometimes use mountains as a way of explaining something that is an obstacle that cannot be overcome. Uh, even today, someone might say, well, I have a mountain of work to do. Or you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Or there's a mountain of dishes in the, in, in the sink. Even in Jesus' day, they understood that Jesus was using an illustration here and he wasn't talking about someone who had faith able to move a literal amount, amount, a mountain, but he was talking about the fact that if you have a little bit of faith, a small amount of faith, you can overcome that obstacle that is in your life. Sometimes in our life, there are obstacles that seem insurmountable. And folks, that's where that word comes from. The idea that there's a mountain in front of you and you can't get over it. And that's why we even have that word insurmountable, meaning we can't climb over the obstacle in our way. And Jesus is saying that if you have just a tea tiny little bit of faith, that faith is so powerful that you can overcome any obstacle in your life. The apostles didn't need a lesson on how to move mountains in a physical sense. They needed a lesson on how to overcome the obstacles in their life. These apostles were about to enter into a lifetime of pain, discouragement, persecution, and for some, all but John, even a martyr's death. And Jesus was setting the stage right now and letting them know that even just a little tiny faith and overcome the greatest obstacle 
in your life. But then you start thinking about that, if you thought about it like I've thought about it, and you think, well, wait a minute. Surely the apostles had a little bit of faith. These weren't atheists. These were people who believed in Jesus, but yet Jesus is chiding them because of the fact that they didn't even have a little bit of faith, and that is why they couldn't drive out the demon. Whoa, what's going on here? Something's not right. That makes no sense whatsoever. Well, here's the thing we need to understand and appreciate. They had faith, but it wasn't the right kind of faith. You see, folks, faith is not confidence in ourselves. Faith is confidence in the power of God. In fact, notice what Jesus says next. And you can go back to Mark chapter 9 because it's going to be the same there. He says it was a lapse in prayer. All the accounts make mention of this. But he says in verse 29 of Mark chapter 9, he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now let me first of all make a little textual note here. Fasting does not appear in almost all the different manuscripts that the Bible is translated from. The King James decided to use the word fasting here. Maybe somebody thought it was something that should be added. We don't know for sure. But most of the the, uh, manuscripts that the Bible is translated from does not have the word fasting there. And you'll see that in some of your newer translations. But my point I want you to see is Jesus says the reason why this demon didn't come out was because there was a lapse of prayer. Now notice what he's done here now. He is saying you've got to have just a little bit of faith to be able to overcome great obstacles in your life, but you need to learn to depend not on self, but on the power of God. The purpose of prayer is to us is to acknowledge how that God is the one in charge, how that He is the one who is in control, how that He is the one who has the power. Now notice what it says earlier in the text. You may have missed it earlier. But here's a key component of what was wrong with the disciples, what was wrong with the apostles. Look at verse 28 again. Notice what they, the question they asked Jesus. Why could not we cast him out. The emphasis was upon them. And then Jesus responds by saying, here's your problem. Your faith is too little. You don't have enough faith. And then he proceeds to tell them, even if you have a teeny tiny little bit of faith, you can overcome any obstacles. In other words, Guys, if you on this occasion had had just a little bit of faith, you could have knocked this out. But you see, they may have had faith on this occasion. They were believers, most certainly. But their faith was not based on God. It was based upon themselves. Their confidence was in themselves. It wasn't in the power of God. They didn't understand that it's nothing has nothing to do with them. It's all about God. And so Jesus goes on and says, you had a lapse in prayer. You did not depend on the person for whom you should have been depending on. You need to understand that when it comes to faith, it's not so much about our faith, 
but it's our faith in the one whom gives us faith. It's our faith in the power of God. He is the one for whom we are dependent upon. In fact, this story ends in Luke's account over in Luke chapter 9 and verse 43. After all this was said and done, the text says they were amazed at the mighty power of God. You see, God is the one that was in charge. God is the one in whom they would, should have faith in. And that is a very powerful lesson for us today as we deal with the idea of our faith. So what about your faith? When you start thinking about your faith as far as your salvation is concerned, when you start thinking about your faith as far as your Christian lives are concerned, where is your dependence upon? What is your confidence in? Where is your faith? Is it in self? Well, here's the lesson that this text is trying to teach us today. If your faith is in yourself or in your confidence based on you and what you do or do not do, then just like that father, you're going to spend the rest of your life saying, help my unbelief. But if your faith is in the power of God, and that's the point of this story, when Jesus says that a faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, can overcome any obstacle in your life, it's all predicated upon the fact that your dependence and your confidence and your faith is in God. It's interesting when Jesus is, uh, or John is coming to the close of his gospel and the life of Jesus, you get to the end of chapter 20, and, and John tells us these words. Uh, they're beginning at verse 30. He says, And many other things did Jesus do while he was here on this earth. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and by believing have life in his name. The purpose of this particular story that we saw today and the purpose of all the things we read about in the Gospels as far as the life of Jesus Christ is concerned is to cause us to have faith in him because we know that faith in him gives us life eternal. To echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep me against that day. This morning as we offer the Lord's invitation, how's your faith? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can save you from your sins? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can make you white as snow through his blood? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can give you a home in heaven? This morning, if you have some doubts about that, either because you've not become a Christian in the prescribed New Testament way, or because of other things you may be struggling in your life, and maybe like this man today, you're saying in your heart, help my unbelief. But whatever your need may be, we hope that you'll come as together we sing. This invitation song. Won't you stand, please?